Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Would you turn with me to Malachi chapter 1 in your Bibles? an intense section of scripture. And so one of the things I'm going to invite you to do is keep your Bible open because this is one of those sections of scripture I think that is probably very confusing on the first read through. At least if you're anything like me, it will be confusing on the first read through. This is one of those passages where I had to spend a lot of time figuring out what in the world does this mean before spending the amount of time figuring out how in the world am I going to preach this. And so if you're like me on the first time through, what it is that's coming, uh, you know, coming to us from God's Word might not be immediately clear. So keep those open, and I'm going to try to show us so that we can all see what it is that God is saying in His Word. So Malachi chapter 1 verse 6, reading through chapter 2 verse 9, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts, to you, O priests, who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals and sacrifices, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious with us, with such a gift from your hand that he will show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. And I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that its, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what's been taken by violence or is lame or sick. And this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hands, says the Lord? Curse be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what's blemished. For I... I'm a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I've already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. 
So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave it to them. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You've caused many to stumble by your instruction. You've corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. You and I have a great calling. Every single one of us is called to honor God. We're called to honor God because God above all else is honorable. And in order to honor God, we need to live our lives in such a way that show that God above all else is great. And the way that we do that is by placing God first in all of our lives, making sure that that God is actually the foundation of our life, that Christ Jesus is at the center of our lives, that our lives revolve around Jesus, that, that it's not that we find a place to fit God into our lives, but in fact, he is the very center of who we are and everything else has to fit in line with who he is and what it is that he requires and what it is that he says. This is what God requires of us. God doesn't call us to just uh, add a little bit of him to a small section of our life. And if, in fact, God did require that, he wouldn't be God. If God required that we just pay a little bit of attention to him now and then, or we give him our spare thoughts or our spare change, he wouldn't be God. If God really is great and really is God, then he should be treated as God and put first and honored. And the God of the universe who created the world and all that's within it, who created the universe and sustains the universe, who chose the people of Israel to be his own, who tells them in the first part of this book, through his prophet, that he loves them with a specific, pursuing, consistent, unending love, God now tells them and reminds them that having been chosen by him, having been redeemed by him, there's a certain way that they're called to respond to him. They should honor him. They should honor him and respect him and serve him and follow him. And this is what verse 6 tells us. Verse 6 says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? And then God doubles down and says that not only are the priests and the people failing to respect and fear him, they're they're actually despising him. God saying, I am father to you, I am God, I am master, and yet you don't honor me, you don't fear me, you despise me. Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself. 
and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message. And you might wonder, well, how are the priests, how are the people despising God? And it seems as though the priests themselves might be genuinely surprised by what it is that God is saying because they ask the same question. And the text continues on and, and, uh, and shows that the priests ask that question. They say, how have we despised your name? And in Malachi 1, verse 6 through 2, verse 9, God gives the priests two ways that they have despised him. They've despised him by facilitating and offering polluted sacrifices and food to him. And they've despised him by offering corrupted words to the people. And God explains this to the priests and to the people. And I'm going to walk through the different parts of the text that show this. Because the the first main section of the text that's in front of us today talks about that polluted food. And the second main section of the text talks about those corrupted words. And so talking about all of that, the Lord then speaks a word of judgment to the priests and to the people, and he speaks a word of hope to the priests and to the people. And it's important that we hear all of that today. So we're going to work our way through all of those things, and we're going to start with polluted foods. Polluted food. This is the first section, and this is what the end of Malachi chapter 1 talks about. The the priests are asking, how have we done this? And how have, we, how have we despised you? And, and God says that it's by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. In verse 8 and follow says, When you offer blind animals and sacrifices, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? And then verse 12 says, But you profane it. When you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. And then 13b and following says, you bring what's been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as an offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Here's what's happening. The priests are offering polluted food, polluted animals, corrupted animals on the altar of sacrifice. They're offering some things which have been taken by violence, is the text. It means that some things have been stolen. The priests know that this is a stolen offering, and yet the priests will still offer that offering on behalf of the person who has brought it to the priest. At times, they're offering up lame animals. At other times, sick animals. At other times, blind animals. These are polluted offerings. Now, why is this such a big deal? Why is this such a big deal? I mean, God God says this is evil, that it is evil for the priests to do this. So why is it a big deal? Well, what was the purpose of sacrifice? I'll tell you. The whole Old Testament system of sacrifice was set up to say, God is human, God is holy, humans are sinful, sinful fallen humans can't stand before a holy God unless there is a sacrifice of atonement that's offered. Sacrifices were offered on the altar to atone for the sins of the people. Priests, part of their responsibility, part of what a priest was called to was to tell the people All right, these are sacrifices that are honoring to God and pleasing to God. 
And these are sacrifices that would dishonor God and would not be pleasing to God. And acceptable sacrifices were animals without blemish. Why? Well, you see, an, an animal that was offered to God without blemish, one of the best animals of the people, that God, God was requiring the best. An animal that was out without blemish symbolized the fact that only a perfect substitute can satisfy the righteous wrath of God. That was the whole purpose of the sacrificial system. It's only a perfect sacrifice that can satisfy the righteous wrath of God. I have a friend who I think illustrates this in a great way, Chris Spano. Let me relay it to you. So picture, picture this. Picture an Israelite named Obed who arrived at the temple carrying a crippled lamb. Or maybe a blind one. Why? Well, he wanted to keep the first and best of his flock for him and for his family. And so Obed takes instead this lame lamb and offers it to the priests and says, Well, will you offer this sacrifice on my behalf? Here's how an obedient priest would have responded. Here's how an obedient priest would have been called to respond to such an offering. An obedient priest would have said, Absolutely not. Who do you think the Lord is? Do you think the Lord is some blind and lame pagan idol? The Lord is your creator and sustainer and redeemer. He's holy and just, who has every right to kill you. Yet in his grace and mercy, he allows you to sacrifice an innocent animal in your place. Do you really think so little of the Lord? Do you really want to treat God like a dog who eats the scraps under your table? And the obedient priest would have refused to offer that sort of sacrifice to the Lord. Because in so doing, would have diminished the greatness of God and the sin of the person seeking to offer it. Here's the way that a disobedient priest would have responded. Again, here I'm going to quote my buddy Chris. Sure, no problem. It's fine. God is love. God will at least honor your effort, even if the lamb is your last and worst. At least you bothered to show up. Blah, 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 blah. Let's not quibble about details. A faithful priest, you see, a faithful priest would refuse an inappropriate sacrifice. A disobedient priest would express that such sacrifices are okay. And that's what the priests of Israel are doing right now at this particular time. That's what they're doing. They're telling the people that their unacceptable sacrifices are actually okay. And God is saying, you know what? These are the sorts of sacrifices that a human governor wouldn't receive. A human magistrate would not take this as payment. It's not a good enough animal. And so if even a human leader wouldn't accept or receive this, you expect the God of the universe to receive this? The priests of Israel are telling the people that their unacceptable sacrifices are okay, and by doing it, they demean the greatness of God, and they communicate to the people that they're not all that in need of redeeming, that they're okay on their own, that God is fine with them. There's something that merits being said here. We, we need to understand that there is a substantial difference between the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ 
and a cheap imitation of that gospel. Let me try to illustrate it with a story. When I, uh, before I started at Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, I was speaking at a camp. I was the speaker for a full week at Camp Kelvin, and, and uh, I had the opportunity to give nine different talks to a bunch of middle school kids, and one of the things that I wanted to try to communicate effectively was the gospel message. I wanted to communicate to them that they were in need of salvation and forgiveness and redemption. I wanted for them to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved from all their sins. And so as a part of that, one evening we had an exercise where um, I, wanted, I wanted to try to express and explain how completely God forgives all of our sins. I wanted to express that at the cross, all of us that trust in the Lord Jesus Christ have the totality of our sins forgiven. And that through the resurrection that, that God gives to us through the resurrection of Jesus, all of the righteousness of Jesus. And so what we did is that after a brief message we took some time, and, and I had the kids write down some of the sins that they, that they struggled against. And then we went on a little bit of walk, and some of the counselors at Camp Calvin had prepared a fire. And I'm like, I want you to know that if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you repent of all of your sins, he completely forgives all of your sins. And not only that, he gives you the righteousness of Jesus. And so one by one, the kids had the opportunity to just say, you know what? I have sinned, and I'm sorry. And to throw that paper that they had written their sins on, to throw it into the fire, and to see that it was completely eaten up and gone. This is how totally God forgives sins. And then each, each kid that did that and, and just announced that they trusted in Jesus, they were given just a reminder that they were holy and righteous and pure because of Jesus. And so one by one, kids came down and, and were saying this. It was really beautiful to see. And uh, kids would put it in different sorts of ways. You know, I need to be forgiven. I'm so glad that God forgives me of sins. I'm so thankful that I know Jesus and he forgives all of, all of my sins. You know, those sorts of things. Some of the counselors would say things like, I'm a great sinner, but Jesus is a great savior. And toss it into the fire. And then one kid came up and sort of caught me off guard. He's like, I sin a lot, but it's not a big deal. And then he threw it into the fire. And I was like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. That's not what I'm trying to communicate. You see, that's a cheap gospel. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ says, I've sinned, I've fallen, God is holy, I am not, I need to be forgiven. A cheap gospel says, I mess up and it's not a big deal. You see the difference? And the fact that the priests were offering these unacceptable sacrifices was communicating to the people, you mess up, but it's not a big deal. That's the opposite of the gospel message. It's a cheap gospel. It's something different than what God wants communicated. The fact that we sin against God is a huge deal. It costs the life of his son. It's not that you and I mess up. It's not that we sometimes have oopsies and it's an okay sort of thing. It's that we have sinned and we need a perfect substitute and sacrifice on our behalf. I love the way that Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it. He says that, that grace justifies the sinner, but that cheap grace justifies the sin. Do you see the difference there? Our tendency is to try to say, my sin is okay. That's not the way that God operates. He says, I will declare you righteous because Jesus has carried that for you, has borne it for you. But there's something else that should be said too. And that's that 
what you offer to God shows what you think about God. What you offer to God shows what you think about God. And the fact that the fact that the priests were allowing these inappropriate sacrifices to be offered showed that they had a diminished view of God and a diminished view of sin. They were allowing that to persist within the people. Do you offer God your first and your best? Or do you offer God your lame and your blind? Let me try to put it in contemporary terms here. Does the way that you spend your money tell you and your kids and your family and your parents and the world and yourself that God is king and that you are his servant? Now, I think it's great. Genuinely, I think it's great to be able to spend money on um, date nights or enjoyment or recreation or all sorts of other things. I'm very happy if you're able to drive a nice car and live in a nice home, but not, but not if you're cheating God. But not if all of that is coming as a result of you failing to give what you should and what we must to God. Not if we're failing to give to God and give to Him first. If we're failing that, then the other stuff is a problem. Let me give you another one. Does the way that you spend your time tell you and your kids and your parents and your family and the world and yourself that God is king and that you are his servant. I think it is great. I genuinely do. I think it is necessary to take time to rest and relax and have recreation, enjoy time away and enjoy kids' sports and have family time just for your immediate family. I think all of that is great, but not if it comes from taking time away from God. Not if you don't give your time to the Lord. Not if these things require constant missing of church. The church and serving God should be your excuse for missing everything else. Not the other way around. Let me give you one more. I think it's genuinely good to spend time on self-care. All the aspects of it. But not, not if it is at the expense of care for others in the name of Jesus. What is God receiving from us? What you offer to God shows what you think about God. And here's the thing, there are religious leaders and there are pastors and there are bloggers and there are authors who will tell you that it is fine to function in such a way that the center of your life is you or your family or your career or your fame or anything else as long as you're giving something to God. And there is a name for those kinds of religious leaders, faithless ones. I am a faithless religious leader if I tell you to give anything other than God your best. If I tell you that anything other than God should be central, if I tell you that it's all right if something else takes center stage, then I'm a faithless religious leader. And the priests, the priests here in Malachi 1 were blowing it. Because this is exactly what they were communicating to the people of Israel. And they were not only doing that, they were also, I'm not sure how to put this, they were half rear-ending their work in all of it as priests. They're taking their work flippantly. Not only are they communicating to the the people that, that God is not particularly great by offering these corrupted sacrifices, they are lazy in their own task of being priests. Now, have you seen this? So this is where um, it said in verse 13 here. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you snored at it, says the Lord of hosts. You say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it. All right, here's what the priests were, here's what the priests were doing. <sighs> That's what he's saying. <sighs> Do I have to? I'm guessing that you've seen that 
at one time or another, right, where you tell somebody their correct thing to do and the response is, oh, it's too hard. These were the priests. These were the priests of Israel. Let me be honest. I sympathize with the priests here. I sympathize with the faithless priests. It'd be way easier to do that. It is much harder to be like, stop. You've got to offer God your best. You need the church. You need God to be central. That is challenging. God doesn't mess around at all with this. God makes it clear. His words will always be true. And because of his pure and perfect sacrifice and because of his perfect resurrection from the dead, you are invited to be a part of his family. You are invited to reign with him forever and ever and ever and ever. This is the promise that's held out to you. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com.